You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show on 710KURV. Here's Sergio. Have you heard of ChatGPT? Now, some reports say that this software, this AI technology, this AI bot, it might become a virtual doctor, maybe a, a business analyst, uh, writing research papers or writing commercials, might be a lawyer, some, some of the basic stuff. Okay, so let me bring someone into the program that has been watching this for a bit. Chris Westfall. It's a pleasure meeting you, Chris. He's a communications pro and author of The New Elevator Pitch. You're going to have to tell me about that one here in a little bit. But meantime, for folks working for a living, driving around town, and watching the world descend into chaos and our overlords or AI overlord bots will soon take over everything, uh, what is this new AI product? What is this chat GPT thing we're talking about right now. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the program. Uh, Chat GPT is an artificial intelligence that has been built to access basically all of the the communication that is available on the World Wide Web. So everything that's out there um, in, in on the internet, it has access to, and it has been programmed to synthesize or bring together all this different information and respond to questions. So you can go to uh, ChatGPT and ask it different questions, like to write content for you, to create essays. Even <laughs> They've even tested it where um, it actually got a uh, B on an MBA-level exam Whoa. at wow. an Ivy League institution. Yeah, how about that? Oh, my goodness. Okay, brave new world now in grading college term papers and, and research papers. And can you imagine how how advanced, if that's where we are now, can you imagine 10 years from now where we will be with all this AI stuff? Wow. Well, it's, it's kind of, uh, I mean, we're on the edge of a brave new world. And right now, it's, it's a very exciting tool. A lot of people are turning to it. I mean, just as you said in the introduction, I mean, it's, it's able to create things like legal briefs. Real estate agents are using it to quickly create descriptions of homes that they're trying to sell. So, it, and, and it's extremely fast. I mean, you ask it a question, and within seconds, it can pop off with answers and, and even detailed essays. That, that are created, and I mean, it's a fraction of the time that a, that a human being would take to, to wow. create any of the content. It's extraordinary. At the Warren MBA exam, I, I, find, I found the article you were talking about where it, this, this new t- uh, technology, this chat GPT uh, software made a B on an uh, MBA exam. Uh, as far as, and it, the article goes on to mention uh, U.S. medical licensing uh, exam chat GPT performed it, it, the article says it performed at or near the the passing threshold for all three exams without any specialized training and my goodness chat GPT does it have useful applications I mean where where could we use it without you know compromising public health or um, you know academic performance and, and honesty where, where could we use it well, right now, according to a recent survey, 89% of students report having used ChatGPT for homework. And what this means in terms of education is that, well, it means two things. One is students have a new tool to help them with their homework. 
The second thing is, is that educators have to worry about, you know, cheating. I mean, is it, is it cheating if a robot does your essay? And what does that mean in terms of education? The implications for so many industries are really amazing because beyond the, you know, using it as a crutch to cheat in school, there's an opportunity for people to use this to, to create content. I mean, this morning, I, before this interview, I asked ChatGPT yeah. to write Here a 30-second commercial. I got it. For KURV, talking about what's oh, going on this week. You, you know, I'm you out of a job. Yeah, I'm out of a job. Yeah, once, once you get a properly written script with a, a robot voice that they sound more and more like people all the time. So here's the commercial that ChatGPT wrote. There's two of them. So here's the instructions that Chris put into the computer. It said, uh, write a 30-second commercial for KURV AM Radio McAllen, Texas, describing fun things to do in the Rio Grande Valley. So here's what ChatGPT wrote up real quick. Get ready for an exciting week in the Rio Grande Valley with KURV AM Radio. Start your mornings with our upbeat tunes and stay in the know with local updates and events. This week, check out the Art Walk in downtown McAllen. Enjoy a movie under the stars at the Park Film Series or take a taste adventure at the Food Festival. Whatever your interest, KURV AM has you covered. Oh, good. There goes, there goes the copywriter, the promotions uh, director, uh, and eventually me <laughs> reading any news or, or commentary. The other commercial, uh, write something promoting the community involvement on air of Sergio Sanchez. Because here's a commercial Chat GPT wrote Look for a radio station, uh, looking for a radio station that's all about community and commitment. Look no further than KURV AM in McAllen, Texas, with the one and only Sergio Sanchez at the mic. You can count on the best music, <laughs> the most dedicated local coverage. Sergio is all about giving back to the community with events and initiatives that bring people together. <clears throat> well, see, it's almost perfect. Problem is, we don't play any music. Number two, that's right. I don't give a flip <laughs> about a the community. It's all there, <laughs> I don't give a flip about the community. It's all about me, man. It's all about me, me, me. So those those are two major mistakes <laughs> I found on this thing. Wow. Okay, I just want to get your final thought, Chris, uh, on where do you see this ChatGPT being applied here in near future? Well, the thing that everybody has to remember is that what makes any tool useful is the way that you use it. And what is evolving right now is the way that people are going to use ChatGPT so that it is a, a tool for uh, creating content, not something that you know replaces people or that creates some sort of robot overlord uh, scenario where we're all working for Skynet. Uh, <laughs> that's the thing that that's that's kind of where we are we're on the yeah. edge of this uh this brave new world and as, as you read i mean it it still makes mistakes but what it's able to do and to do very quickly combined with some human intervention to to fix what yeah. it misses yeah uh, it's it's a very powerful tool very it's, powerful indeed yeah the the software that we have today is amazingly popular uh, amazingly powerful it's like the translation services that we have. Uh, I can right. uh, clean up the final translation from English to Spanish within seconds and have really clean copy. Chris, it's uh, wonderful to meet you. I have to bring you back to talk about your book, The New Elevator Pitch, but look for him. Chris Westfall. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. This is The Sergio Show. You leave your job voluntarily or 
involuntarily. You're shown the door. Maybe you have a 401k program. You've been socking away some money. Your employer contributing to that. Well, now you have something else to do. Put on the to-do list. you got to do something with that 401k. CEO of Retire Smart LLC is David Brooks. Recommendations for anyone shifting gears, doing a job change, individuals that have 401ks. What would you, what would you recommend that they do, Dave? So there's a, it's a really important decisions you have to make. And, uh, you know, Sergio, you've got basically four real options. One, you could, of course, cash the account out. Probably not the best decision, but some people are obviously, if they're forced out of a job and don't have other access, might have to do this. There's consequences, though. If you're under 59 and a half, you're most likely going to pay a 10% premature withdrawal penalty to the IRS. Yeah. Plus, any of these withdrawals are most likely going to be fully taxable as income to you, and uh, that could be a, a bad tax hit. Uh, your second option is you could leave it behind if the, uh, uh, the 401k plan allows that. However, a lot of plans don't want to have the liability of former employees, and so they have minimum set. And if your account is under a certain minimum threshold, they will kick the account out if you don't take any action within a certain period of time. So that taxable event could happen if you're if you're uh, not paying attention. And so it's really important you're proactive in this decision-making Can process. you segue into another account? Uh, is that allowed? Is that possible? Absolutely. So the, the next two options are you can move the money. So the first option is you, if you if you get new employment and the new employer offers the same type of a plan, like a 401k or a 403b, they may allow you to roll your old plan into it. This would be a non-taxable event. It's called a rollover. Uh, and you're just moving one from one plan to the other. Now, there's a lot of factors you should consider, fees, expenses, et cetera, the old plan, the new plan, or the fourth option, which is you could roll it to what's called an individual retirement account or an IRA. Again, this would be a non taxable event. And this is typically what we think is the best option for most people. Again, everybody's circumstances are different. But the reason we like this versus rolling into your new 401k plan is most 401k plans today are very streamed down. So they only offer a very limited menu of investment choices. So most of them have what's called target date funds in them now because they're under pressure from the Department of Labor. And so they really put some uh, tight bumpers and guardrails, if you will. So you only have maybe 10 to 15 choices. And where if you roll it to an IRA, uh, you can have that managed by a professional like someone like me or a financial professional in your area, or you can run it yourself either way. But the world is your oyster now, so to speak. You can invest it in anything you want once you get it to an IRA. And so whether you want to be going gold, real estate, stocks, bonds, it doesn't matter. There's options available to you. So it kind of opens up the horizon. Okay. And uh, you know, then there's, there's the real important question here is can you take advantage of the tax code? And this is one of the things we really specialize in is trying to help people understand why this is so important. You have only three years left on the tax code under Trump's tax cuts with lower tax brackets. So okay. if you rolled it to an IRA surge, you could do what we call a Roth conversion and move money from an IRA to a tax-free Roth IRA at lower tax rates today than you'll most likely ever have available to you in your lifetime. And you've only got three years to do this. Excellent advice. David Brooks, CEO, Retire Smart the topic right now the best options for your 401k if you leave or you were booted you get kicked out of your jobs so that's one way to minimize the tax burden and just out of curiosity you just never know who's out there how about uh, converting it to you know one of those uh, scholarship uh, college scholarship based plans that are 
um, those those tools that are available. How about that? Or maybe a charity is 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 that an option where you can minimize the, the tax burden on you by throwing that four hundred one k in that direction? Absolutely. So you can you can uh, take roll rollover funds to your IRA, and then uh, if you're somebody who's philanthropic, donating maybe tithing to a local church, etc. Once you hit seventy and a half, you can actually take out up to 100 grand a year and give it to a charity. You have to be 70 and a half before you can do this, but you'll never be taxed on that distribution. And that's actually a way to eliminate what's gonna come in the future called required minimum distributions or RMDs, where you're forced these taxable distributions as a way to potentially eliminate the taxes from said distributions if you, you know, maybe don't need the money. And and so, like I said, there's, there's a few things that change drastically. Uh, we just had this crazy ominous spending bill that got bipartisan support. Amazing. Uh, but they, you know, spending you and I are dollars well into the future. Inside of that bill that just passed at the end of last year was what's called the Secure Act 2.0, and this changed when you get to take these dollars or when you have to take these dollars out. And for people born after 1960, they no longer they don't have RMDs until they're 75. And we have all kinds of talking heads on financial shows saying this is great news. No, it's not, because your tax bill is going to go up by an average of about 30 percent if you do that in your lifetime on those withdrawals. You need to be proactive and take action now. And I just tell people, whoever you're going to work with, if you're going to hire a financial professional, hire somebody who's what's called a fiduciary. They don't make commission on investment security products ever, and they are legally obligated to do what's in their client's best interest. So choose wisely when you're choosing a financial advisor. Okay, here's what's stuck in my head. Again. The, the least, the least tax burden, Roth IRAs. Clock is ticking on that. Any of that are, are donated. Uh, the most expensive, uh, cashing out that 401k account and using all the money to buy lottery tickets. That would be the most expensive uh, version of, of doing <laughs> your money. All right. Anything else, Dave? I missed that you want folks to know. Hey, just be proactive and and uh, God bless and right. uh, be you know be diligent because you might be out of a job this year with all the job oh, losses Lord, coming. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. All right, Dave. Thank you much. The CEO of Retire Smart. Look for him online, David Brooks. This is the Sergio Show. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands, your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio, just say, Alexa, play 710 KURB. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. How might an economic slowdown affect U.S. banking? From Kingsview Asset Management partner Mario Veneroso. Mario, appreciate your time today. So, this report I was um, looking at saying that. U.S. banking giants like Chase and Bank of America, Wells Fargo, da 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 they're forecasting a lower fourth quarter profit, expecting a, a slowdown in the economy. And they, and this report said that they were tapping into some some reserves, billions of dollars in reserves, because they expect some some of the loans that they send out to go south, and of course less um, less revenue from loans in the near future. But you know, first thing that came into mind, Mr. V 
was the billions upon billions, if not trillions of dollars in deficit spending by the federal government that worms its way, wiggles its way through the banking industry. Why are banks not in better shape if we spent all our grandkids' monies up to date? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yes, that's a, that's a great question. You know, right now, we saw it in the earnings calls last week, whether you're Jane Frazier, Jamie Dimon of... Uh, uh, J.P. Morgan or Brian Monahan of uh, Bank of America. Every CEO of every bank is using the R word: recession, recession, recession. And just like banks are preparing for the worst to uh, to weather this storm, you know, last year banks, the the major four banks, the central hub of our uh, economy, the J.P. Morgan, Bank of America, Citigroup, and Wells Fargo. They had about $2.37 billion set aside for loan losses. This year, they're looking to increase that to about $5.7 billion. So what does that mean, Sergio? That basically means the banks are preparing for the worst in the days ahead. They're trying to weather the storm, and they're, they're trying to have an extra bucket to protect them for that rainy day. And uh, the Fed is continuously raising rates. We're going to see this week. You know, my belief they're going to raise 25 basis points. You know, we've had 40-year high inflation, and the Fed is trying to cool off inflation by raising rates. But in doing so, I think inevitably they're uh, they're pushing us closer to that recession. But they'll be in good shape, though, because any losses they could, you know, calculate, you know, bake into the, this year's uh, tax returns. Right? They they can take a, a tax write-off on any any losses, and uh, as far as cutting their investors any checks on, on dividends, well, those will be lower as well. They'll be just fine. I mean, banking industry in our country is, is still in good shape, right? I, I believe they are. So I, I think they're being proactive as opposed to reactive, right? So let's take a look at a little history of the banking system. They had some big problems back in 2008 and 2009. And then the government set higher capital requirements for banks, they said you have to be in better, uh, have better balance sheets, not be as leveraged. So the banking system is much stronger uh, than it is today than it was yesterday. However, you should recognize the patterns of what the banks are doing, and this is what American families and your average, you know, Joe Schmo should be doing. If the banks are preparing for a rainy day then you should grab your umbrella too. And I believe that with the rise of uh, interest rates and the continuous rise of interest rates, because I don't think we're done, I think that the American consumer should be similar to the banks. The banks are preparing for a rainy day, so should we. What does that mean? That means go through your spending, go through your expenses, go through your balance sheet like a CEO goes through theirs, and see where you can cut back, see where you can save more, and just be have better uh, reserves and better liquidity because um, we don't know how bumpy the road ahead is going to be. I believe we're titanic. That's the American economy. That's the American consumer. The iceberg is the recession, and we're going to hit it. Now, the question becomes is are we going to hit it head on or are we going to have a soft landing and have that iceberg just you know scrape us on the side and everything will be all right? We'll see, but... You know, by the banks um, increasing their reserves, I think that's a telltale sign that there we could go. have a bumpier days ahead. Well, that's the message. If the banks are increasing their cash reserves and liquidity, a uh, good idea for families to do so nationwide as well. From Kingsview Asset Management partner, Mario 
than it also. So everybody expecting the Fed to raise interest rates a little more and try to tap the brakes on, I guess, lending to home buyers and other folks, try to slow things down. How, how much more do you expect uh, these people charging money for lending between banks? How much more do you think should, should it go up in order to tap the brakes well, enough and then turn things around? Yeah. Yeah. So look, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, we can't have inflation at 7% and Fed funds rate at 4.5%, right? That doesn't make sense. I think there's got to be an equilibrium without getting into, um, you know, the mathematics behind it. But basically, you know, we still have high inflation, uh, bottom line. So, yeah, we're at 6% inflation right now, but 6% is still high because guess what? Wage growth isn't going up 6%. Right. Which means your paycheck, your money that you actually take home is worth uh, uh, less today than it was yesterday because inflation is still high. So uh, I believe in order to combat uh, combat this problem, the Fed will have to uh, raise rates, in my opinion, another few times. I don't think we're out of the woods. I think they're going to start to slow down the velocity of rates uh, of um, the size of the hike. So instead of 50 basis points. Perhaps they do 25, but I think they got a few more bullets in their gun. And also another thing, too, is this takes time. They just started raising last year, even though it feels like a lifetime ago. The velocity they raised was like no other, but they just started raising last year. So therefore, intrinsically, the longer that these rates have to go through the economy, have to flush out through the system with you know higher mortgage rates, um, slowing down inflation. I think in time the odds will be in our favor, but I don't think we're out of the woods yet. So in my opinion, oh, I think we have another few another few rate hikes ahead. All right, 2023, the year of expensive money for you and me. That's what I'm gonna call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well said, Mario. Thank you for your time from Kingsview Asset Management, Mario Veneroso. This is the Sergio Show. your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's morning news weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day and special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, good morning, guys. Well, let's now enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's morning news with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. News from the business world. It seems that Gen Z individuals are quitting their job, not even bothering to give a two weeks notice. Some of these Gen Zers are, are doing that. An expert in business from CEO Clubs Worldwide, Marie Diaz. Marie, what is CEO Clubs Worldwide? Let's start there. Okay, well, thank you for having me, first off. But uh, yes, Gen Z, uh, I'm sorry, the CEO Club's Impact Worldwide is about building legacy for entrepreneurs, business owners, and the C-suite as they work um, in their environment. So we are a very, um, we started in 1997 with Dr. Joe Mancuso, 
And so going into the next decade, we're about impact, impacting not just employers, entrepreneurs, and business owners, but also impacting the workforce in such a way that helps create a win-win environment for all. Okay. It's it's about impacting. Specifically, from the perspective of business owners, entrepreneurs, CEOs, the folks at the top who have to make decisions, have the vision for uh, the different businesses. It's like a network for them, either on the training side or a network opportunity for them. That's that's what you represent, right? Absolutely. Okay. We're a peer-to-peer group that helps um, build legacy, but it also helps to uh, to give thought into what's happening in the workforce. So this is such a fantastic topic because the Gen Z is hitting the workforce um, with like with a storm, so to speak. And um, in this day and time, we have um, not just, you know, four to five different generations in the workforce. So we've got to be able to uh, meet the needs of everybody. And so as uh, entrepreneurs or business owners, you, you just want to be able to understand what does that mean? I bring you aboard the program because, as I said here at the beginning, the the younger set, Gen Z, seems that they're quitting their jobs uh, at a very fast pace and they're not giving a two-week notice. In fact, there was a a survey, you're probably familiar with it, from a real estate group. Uh, They surveyed a a thousand folks. They found that during the Great Resignation, about less than half of the respondents offered the employer a week's notice or less, and one in four workers Gave no notice. They they just didn't show up. Now I'm wondering if this is just a reflection of I don't know. Maybe so, sometimes I think that in commentary, societal commentary, and media and business, you know, the scuttlebutt. Maybe we're a bit unfair with the Gen Z, the, the even the millennial generation, and saying that maybe they're spoiled or they see things as completely different from the boomers and older generation that they're not properly trained. But I'm I'm wondering if they're quitting, the, the younger said it, they're quitting their jobs because, well, it's it's not going to hurt them in any way. And they're not going to stick around in a toxic environment and be pounced and abused for another two weeks before they get another job. They can quit right now because the way things are in workforce and all these employers wanting people to want it signed, to help want it signed, is all over the place despite a recession. People can't, these employers can't find good people, enough good people to, to fill the, the demand, the workload that they have. So it's still a, a worker's environment when it comes to jobs. Well, yeah, you know, it's something to probably take note. You know, you have the new generation um, that I call it the microwave age. They want things 10 seconds or less. But that's kind of true of a lot of people. You know, if they don't see in the workforce um, a pathway to success, then you're wondering where you're going. So as my title, you know, I I call myself the chief visionary uh, for CEO clubs. It's because you have to see beyond um, not just what you see today, you got to see what you what you can't, what others can't see. Not just in them, but for your own organization. So, um, part of CEO clubs is to help in that peer to peer group to provide that vision. That um, you know, you have that old saying: you don't know what you don't know, but once you know, you know. And so, having the the ability to talk things through and and then build on it and execute in your organization is an imperative, particularly with this generation. Um, 
they are more, they're impactful in many ways. For example, they're multitaskers. They understand technology. They actually send us a message, I think, that, hey, I want to know where you're going. And if you don't, you know, just tell me that. So it's more of a truthful, uh, transparent, very upfront voice. But um, in some regard, that's probably a good thing because if an employer doesn't have those things in place, now's the time to do it, and not just for yourself, but also for the employee group that's coming yeah. in. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of them not giving notice, I think, you know, we are in the technology um, stream of things. So you have someone who TikToks and then they get all these views, they get these likes, they're getting attention. So this generation wants that attention. They're just seeking it in a more negative form than a positive. They just need that positive voice to help them tweak that a little bit because if they don't, it, it could come back in the future to hurt them. Employers are looking at social media platforms uh, before they hire you. Yeah. So so that's, that's something to take note to. More a message, I think, for the employers, the potential employers, the CEOs, the HR people, the all these business owners, a message for them that they need to get with the times. Because this new generation, yes, it's the children of the Gen Xers who say, yeah, we were the last great generation. There's this meme of some kid with a tattoo. like He's like a six-year-old with a tattoo. He's got a mullet. He's swigging a beer. Yeah, last great generation. Got the job done. We didn't complain. Had multiple jobs. We worked summers. Uh, but this new generation, yes, call it the microwave generation, whether you want, but the options for them exponentially more than the Gen Zers and the uh, the Gen Xers, that is, the, the Gen Zers and the Millennials, they're used to having multiple options, multiple media, multiple electronic devices, multiple screens. Uh, they see the world differently than we do because they have many more options, and they know that, and that is power. And unless the employer gets with a program and on the electronic side and the technology side provides those resources for them, they can walk. They'll go to newer businesses, newer, younger CEOs, younger companies. They'll move in that direction. And come near future, all these other older employers and CEOs and companies, they'll still be putting out the help wanted side, wondering, why isn't the new generation coming to work for us? Because they're not with the times. That's exactly right. You know, so, you know, it is a joint, uh, I think, uh, responsibility to to listen to the the Zers, but you're right, they are the children of the Xers. And so as you went from veteran to baby boomers to Xers, Yers, you know, Zers, um, you just have to understand they're the children of the generation before. And so the mentality has a little bit of a twist, but it's not to say it's, it's, it's bad. You know, I think every generation has yeah. its good points and its bad yeah. points, but it's to constantly learn and be... Um, you know, just that generation in your own business that acknowledges uh, a voice, not acknowledges change. This generation wants change and will wait for change. And if they don't get it, they'll leave to find yep. change. Yep. So that's good. I think, that's <laughs> I think good. that's something to take note. Yeah. Marie, it's a pleasure. From CEO Clubs Worldwide, Marie Diaz. This is the Sergio Show. I say Happy New Year. Welcome back to a friend, Bill Dendy, CPA. How you doing, Bill? Hey, Sergio, I'm doing great. Tax season's just started officially last Monday. That's right. And people are already eager to get their taxes filed because they all want their refunds back as quickly as possible. Okay, so where do you stand? Uh, some say, 
file now as quickly as possible. Others saying, no, 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 no. Get that extension, wait all the way to October, and get some little bit more interest rate payment into that account. Where, where do you stand? You know, uh, over half the people I work with have to wait until later to do their taxes. And the reason for that is that they have complex investments. They have things that won't be done until March. And so they can't get their tax return done, even if they wanted to, and do it accurately. Uh, so they get that free automatic six months extension. And that's a fine thing to do. Just make sure that you've got enough money in with the IRS so that you don't uh, get yourself subject to penalties and interest because it's an extension to file, not an extension to pay the taxes due. But for those who know they're going to get a refund, why wait? Last year, the IRS got way backlogged. Uh, they say they'll have a re refunds back within 21 days. Some say it may take as much as six weeks, but we do know that the sooner you file, the more likely you are yeah. to get your refund, albeit it may be a lower refund than what it was last year. Man, I'd love to someday have that Rush Limbaugh problem, have too many investments where you got to wait till October to get all the reports that you need in order to fire your tax return. In the meantime, for working people tuning in right now, are there any payments, any other additions they could make to investments or retirement accounts or something like that that they could maximize before they, they go through the taxes? We only have a couple things left that can be done uh, after the year end. Uh, but for those who don't have retirement plans at work, uh, they can certainly make a deductible IRA contribution prior to tax filing deadline, prior to the April 18th deadline. So that 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 allows us to uh, deduct uh, that $6,000 for couples over 50, uh, for individual over 50 uh, per person. So that 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 could be $12,000 deductions for the uh, uh, for the couple. Uh, that can be done. And, and for those who own their own businesses, a SEP IRA contribution uh, with even higher limits, if you have the earnings to support it, uh, can be done up until tax filing deadline. But for most people, uh, all the things that we can do are closed out on December 31st. Uh, now it becomes, how do you report it? Do you do the itemized deduction or do you take the standard deduction? A lot of people are taking the standard deduction because it's gotten high enough to where a lot of folks are figuring uh, they don't do better itemizing and it sure is a lot easier and less audit worthy yeah. uh, to just take the standard deduction. Um, but what, what I think is going to really shock some folks, especially those with small children is last year because of the, uh, all the relief credit. that we got through the cares act and secure act. Yeah. We, we, we had this enhanced, uh, child tax credit and how enhanced child tax credit, uh, allowed us a credit of up to $3,600 per child under the age of six years old. So you had people getting $7,200 of tax credit because they had two children. Uh, this year, that credit's been dropped back down to the $2,000 per child. So that additional uh, $3,600 of differential, that, that's, that's, a, that's a big deal for a couple uh, because it's not a deduction. That's a dollar for dollar refundable credit that they got last year they're not going to get this year because some the relief that we had through COVID is gone now and i think that that might catch some people off guard uh as they uh, are thinking they're going to get a refund very similar to the previous sure year. cpa bill dendy joining me from north texas because of that uh, enhanced child credit and that additional money folks were receiving on a monthly basis does that 
Is that going to generate an additional form that you need to use during your claim, or will the government automatically take away from this year's return what they gave you last year uh, without any additional form, anything you write down on the forms? Uh, you, you don't have an additional form. You just When you do the form, it uh, will have the lower amount. So uh, that's up to $2,000 per child for the uh, uh, child tax this credit. Okay. And there is still the child care credit that's available to us, um, but fewer people are going to qualify for that uh, because uh, the child tax credit, uh, a person with up to $400,000 of uh, income qualifies for child tax credit, but the child care credit uh, is more limited. And, and again, it's complex. I know it's a pain, but it's a good time to talk to a CPA or somebody that will talk to you about your own particular situation, especially if you don't fit neatly in a W-2 box where you just have employment income. But if you've got, uh, when you work for yourself part of the year and you've got your own business and you have some other uh, factors that may be a little bit more complex, it may be worth the 30 minutes to an hour to talk to a CPA to sort through to make sure you're not missing some deductions you're entitled to and make sure you're getting your taxes filed correctly because uh, even the tax preparation software requires you to have some knowledge uh, when they ask a question, uh, did you do this or that? You're like, I don't even understand the question. Uh, it may be a good time to talk to the CPA. <laughs> okay. Uh, Bill Dindy, a CPA, joining me from North Texas. Uh, look, I just want to pick your brain real, real, qu- real quick on something that's being talked about up in D.C. I don't expect them to do anything on it. It's just, for me, this is my opinion, in a more perfect world, uh, there'd be like a national sales tax. There would be no income tax. Get rid of that. You buy something, you pay taxes, there you go. You're putting something in the piggy bank to to pay the bills. But they're talking about it up in D.C. And that world that probably exists in some alternate universe somewhere, more perfect world, CPAs still exist, though. I mean, the only people that lose their jobs are the tax preparers, like the H&R block people and all these little small tax preparers, because there's no more tax forms to file. But CPAs would exist because they read the language of business and need to help businesses conduct their affairs and write all their journals and papers and reports, right? That's correct. So uh, maybe the tax preparer goes away as a CPA function, but those who do consolidated statements and accounts receivables and uh, uh, audits, they'll still have a job. And, you know, I wish we'd come up with a new tax system. I can remember growing up, my dad would disappear in a back room for two weeks come tax season grumpy as could be, hmm. calculators and paper everywhere, and then he finally emerged, taxes were done. And I was like, that can't be, it can't be that difficult, can it? Well, having become an attorney and a CPA, I'm going to say it is that difficult, and they keep making it more challenging because we add new tax code on top of old tax code, and the whole thing turns upon itself. And it's uh, every year, uh, CPAs have so much continuing education just to keep track of what changes in the tax code. No yeah, one is, person seems nuts. to be able to get their head around all of it. It'd be nice to scrap it and start with something brand new. And a national sales tax, heck, our state sales tax works just fine. Uh, it could work. However, there's so much, I guess, industry around this that there's so much resistance to change. And no matter what we do, someone's going to say it's not fair because they ended up paying more or an unfair percentage. And the tax code is not just to raise revenues, but tax code has been used to redistribute the wealth. And that has its own implications 
that uh, may be too complex to unwind. The larger standard deduction that we got under Trump, is that going to disappear in two, three years, or is that going to stick stick around forever until they change it again? A larger standard deduction will probably stick around and keep going up, and it sure makes taxes easier for the average American. Uh, in fact, uh, taxes have probably not been much easier ever for the average uh, middle-income American where yeah. you had just W-2 income, very little interest income, and no investments uh, to speak of. You're putting the numbers in the box and getting your um, uh, standard deduction, and hopefully you've had the withholding along the way, so you get your yeah. refund. It has become so turnkey that a number of uh, – the IRS will, will show you how to go get your tax return filed electronically for right. free by providers that work with the IRS. Stay warm, Bill. I know you guys are frozen up in Dallas right now. You'll be safe. Uh, Bill Dendy, CPA from North Texas. This is The Sergio Show. KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710. KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have an active shooter, multiple gunshot victims. In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710. KURV. You're listening to the best of the Sergio Show. Here's Sergio. According to a survey by some think tank called the Atlantic Council, about half of some foreign policy pros, they say that Russia will become a failed state or break up by 2033. Okay, what does Fred Flights have to say about this? Former National Security Council Chief of Staff with America First Policy Institute, Fred Flights. So, 10 years, they say, Fred. Why would these people say Russia is going to implode and break up in about 10 years? Well, it's a pleasure to be here. The, the, the question that foreign policy experts are looking at is uh, it looks like something's going to break concerning the Russian economy. It's, it's uh, dependent on resource exports, that is energy, and it's losing its clients. It doesn't have a manufacturing base. It has a serious demographic problem. There are fewer and fewer Russians. Uh, there is real tension in this society. The, the reputation of the military is, is, is going way down. Uh, and um, basically something's going to have to, looks like something's going to have to break in the opinion of, of many experts, uh, is it possible it could it could become a failed state like Venezuela, since there simply won't be the revenue to run the country, or could it be a, a situation like a breakup of the Soviet Union, where various parts of the country, oblasts and other other states, maybe those further away from Moscow, simply decide to break away? Right now, in those regions, Moscow is heavily recruiting soldiers to send to Ukraine, where they're being killed. They're not recruiting in Moscow. So uh, this could lead to a situation where the people of these regions basically say they do not want to want their, their, their sons to be dying in wars in Ukraine and other places, and they're going to break away. Well, that's – I'm guessing they're assuming that 
Vladimir Putin will be alive for another 10 years or some of his henchmen to continue this campaign against Ukraine. And they're also assuming that the U.S. and European amigos will continue to you know, write checks to Ukraine, either Zelensky or whoever's in charge of fighting this war for the next 10 years. All the, What you told me is all based on the war, this expensive war, being funded and still taking place over the next 10 years, right? Well, in part, but I mean, Russia was in trouble before the war because of corruption. They were moving away from democracy. They were cracking down on, on dissent. And they had these demographic problems. They had this broken economy before Putin invaded. This simply accelerated these problems. I don't think Putin's going to be around for a long time. There's been consistent rumors that he's very ill. But to transform society, to transform their economy and their, and their government, that doesn't seem to be in the cards right now. That's why everybody is so pessimistic. Well, I hear you when you say the energy export thing will be a real problem for them because they're losing customers. But I don't think the Russians need more customers other than, than China. I mean, China's a behemoth. Uh, that customer alone could help fund pretty much everything that they want forever if they wanted to be bad guys, I'm thinking. If they had the ability to ship their energy to China, and over time they'll, they'll have the ability to ship more of it, there are geographic restrictions on sending their energy there. But uh, China is not interested in bailing Russia out. China could have been bailing Russia out throughout the last year, could have sent weapons that would have helped uh, the, the Russians do better in Ukraine. But it's, it's, its support has been very limited because Russia is worried about Western sanctions, losing clients for its businesses in other parts of the world. Uh, the Chinese collaborate with the Russians to a point to stick it to the United States. But the Chinese see Russia as a junior partner to take advantage of. And that's something that the Russians aren't happy about. Is political disintegration of Russia, does that play... Uh, does that play in our favor, America's favor, or is that a nightmare situation where we have a bunch of these breakaway places that uh, now we have a handful of new enemies versus one big enemy before, which is Russia? I think it's a bad outcome. This is a nation with the largest nuclear stockpile on Earth. Uh, failed states tend to be ungoverned spaces where there's anarchy and uh, opportunity for terrorist groups and extremist groups to, 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 to come to the fore. The best outcome would be to end this war and for us to incorporate Russia into Europe as a, as a nation in good standing. Wow. That is a post-Putin <laughs> yeah. uh, 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 Russia. I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. That's, that's the outcome I wish we would be putting more time into. Reintegrate to Europe. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that would definitely – you need to get rid of uh, Putin and company to do something like that. And you know what you're saying? The Europeans will need to tap into Russian oil again, and we're all friends now. We forgive you. We're buying your fuel again. That's what would need to happen to prevent civil war, disintegration of Russia. And as you were mentioning, because I was going to ask you about the nukes where you get a bunch of little smaller states with nukes. Lord knows what they might be doing in the future with that. It's a big problem, but I mean, if, if, we were, if this was to happen, and it's sort of a fantasy scenario right now, it prevents Russia from becoming a vassal state of China, which I think is another possibility. It 
if all or part of the country broke up. But we don't know where these nukes would go if the country broke up. And, and I, I think there's a lot of reasons why we should be worried about what is the end game of this conflict in Ukraine, not just what it does to Ukraine, what it does to Russia. And I think the new Congress has to press this administration to tell them what's the end game. How do we stop this conflict? How would you stop it, Fred? Fred Flights from America First Policy Institute. What would you do in a situation like this, Fred? How do we stop this? I think there should be an organic ceasefire right now, and there should be talks to try to at least freeze the situation on the ground and put off negotiation of territorial disputes until later. I think the longer this conflict goes on, the more Ukrainians will die. Ukraine may win in the end, but it'll be an incredibly pyrrhic victory. I think diplomacy, promoting uh, a freeze on where we are right now, and eventually uh, maybe negotiations that would get Ukraine a, a better situation through talks. But I think an unending conflict in Ukraine is in no one's interest. All right, pal. Thank you for your commentary, Fred. Appreciate it. From America First Policy Institute, Fred Flights. This is The Sergio Show.